0: Right now, you're feeling a bit like Alice, tumbling down the rabbit hole.
1: This is your last
0: chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland.
1: And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole, now live, Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, on the Para-X.
2: Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole. This is your host, Jason M. Caldwell, back again with this week's co-host, Zachary Louie. How are you doing this week, Zach?
0: I'm doing great, Jason, and I can't wait to actually introduce our actual person we're talking to today. So today, we're
1: going to be talking to...
2: before we get into that, I remembered something important, Zach. Well, go right ahead, Jason. <laughs> I, I Andrea will kick me in my buttocks if I do not stress the fact that you still have time to get involved in the Do Magic Challenge at DoMagicWithAkayah dot com. You should go check it out because you could start the Beginner's Mind Challenge anytime in the month of September. It is perfectly fine to begin. So yeah, we're ready. We already go got ahead, a few Zach.
0: people signing up for it, so get on that. Anytime is a good time to start. Most excellent. I'm sorry,
2: Zach. Didn't mean to cut you off there, so go ahead and tell us so, about our special
0: guest. Our special guest tonight is Robert Youngs. So he has a background in medical Qigong, internal martial arts, and Taoist mysticism and meditation. He's presented and been a lecturer and teacher at various universities around Southern Ontario, specifically Ontario College of Traditional Chinese Medicine, Ryerson University, and uh, the University of Toronto. So he's been around. He also has a background in traditional Chinese medicine. So, hi, Robert.
1: Hello, Zach. How are you?
0: I'm good. And how are you?
1: We're doing well tonight. Thank you.
0: So, let's talk about the five element cultivation that you were wanting to speak on.
1: Well, yeah, I do have an upcoming course on what I call uh, Taoist alchemy and uh, the five element cultivation. So, uh, in terms of that five element, so that's going to, you know, if you like, uh, come under the branch of the five element as uh, one of the uh, branches or one of the uh, pillars used when talking about Chinese medicine. So, um, <clears throat> as I focus on looking at Qigong, Qigong uh, then implies, the type of Qigong that I do is called medical Qigong, which implies that it has <clears throat> its roots within Chinese medicine, and uh, as that uh, aspect of things, you cannot separate, really, Chinese medicine, or Taoist medicine, if you like, which is, really, it's history, uh, from Chinese medicine, so. Uh, and philosophy, so really uh, uh, Chinese medicine and Taoist Dao- and philosophy go together. And uh, part of the philosophy, you know, of um, <clears> Taoist <throat> medicine, as you like, is uh, everything is emanating from the Tao, and everything is going to return, so therefore, uh, the whole idea of um, cultivation is one who is cultivating themselves on the return, the path back to the Tao, so uh, in essence, we could say as as the individual, we're either going forward to, in life, right? We're pursuing our our agenda in this world, right? To uh, move forward, to advance to something. Changing ourselves from, from what we are into a different type of person. That would be called Taoist alchemy. Right? And today the, those terms would apply to what people think of as Qigong. Uh, so can I become something different, something more than what I am? So we're either going forward on that path or we're going backwards. We're regressing. We're becoming farther away from the Tao. So in that aspect, then, is that that implies to move forward a certain type of cultivation. And so some of the principles um, within that cultivation is that within Chinese medicine, uh, great emphasis is placed on... <clears throat> On the organ system, and in particular, the yin organs, as they were what, if you like, uh, hold our qi or cultivate our qi. And uh, each of those organs then have an affiliation uh, with an element. So uh, thus you get the term five-element qigong or five-element practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not too long an explanation. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's
0: all good. So, for our fan base, they may not be familiar with um, the five elements from a Chinese perspective. So, can you talk yeah. about them a bit?
1: Yeah. So, really, what you're saying is, uh, <clears throat> if you really want to look at things in a very simple term, uh, this whole principle, right, of uh, of qi or energy, is that uh, everything from a Taoist perspective. Uh, exists as a different form of qi, uh, taking on different states, much like water takes on different states. Uh, you know, from ice to, to liquid to vapor. So, <clears throat> as an individual, we have these three forms of qi. One was which of the physical body, which we call the the jing energy. Right, that, that's the term. Qi, really means our essence. You know, so it's our vitality, our hereditary uh, influences. So that constructs our physical form. And then that form has to be motivated by something. It has to move. What motivates that is, you could say, is our consciousness. And we would say that's the more rarefied form of qi, or they call that shin or mind. So the mind is directing the body. It's kind of, you know, the driver. And then you have to have a vehicle. And that vehicle then is qi or energy. So the whole term then to. Um, to practice qigong, or five element qigong, is how am I going to direct the body to sustain or enhance the amount of qi or energy within my within my jing? So we then separate that. We then say that uh, each component of the body breaks down into into different, aspect, different organs, just like in Western medicine. And so those five organs that have... Uh, primary importance are designated as an organ and as an element. So you have the heart, which is the fire element. You have the spleen, which is really the earth element. You have the lungs, which they consider the metal element. The kidneys, which they call the water element. And the liver, which they consider the wood element. So in practice of this five uh, uh, alchemic uh, method is I want to... Use ways to enhance the energies of those five elements, which in turn superimpose and strengthen the entire body. If that helps.
0: Okay.
2: So, for a lot of our listeners, <clears throat> they're going to be familiar with the Western five elements. So,
1: yes, these these five elements are really you know based on uh, Taoist or Chinese philosophy. And in, right. and in essence, they're, they're really inherited. They're kind of like uh, inherited from an earlier stage, which would be the Ayurvedic or Indian system. So they're not, uh, they're not like the uh, compound elements in the periodic table. They're more <clears throat> of an element which has a certain function within us. So they, they drive our body in different means and have different effects
2: and I'd like you to tell the audience why the wood element and the metal element are not covered by the earth element, why they are separate.
1: Well, each of them, right? Each of those elements are part of the whole chemistry. So, you know, if you want very philosophical, right, the uh, metal elements, the lungs, really represent, um, so it's represented as an organ function as the lungs. So, would be metal as related to the lungs. We talk about the earth, that would be the, the spleen, right? And etc, you have the, the, the kidneys as water, the uh, liver as wood and the heart as fire, which means okay. each of them are, each of them are going to allow us to function or drive a particular part of our anatomy and physiology on an energetic uh, level. So, in other words, you know, if you want to maintain this healthy uh, coherence, each of these elements have to function at their optimum uh, potentiality.
0: Right. So, I mean, in terms of purposes, then I understand. Like, we're talking about medical. Perspectives here, but how does this affect the psycho-emotional standard if we're talking about alchemy?
1: Well, there you know, is a connection along with that. Yeah, you could say. Well, it is believed, right as as the human being begins to uh, uh, develop in utero, in you know, uh, in the what they call ten months of uh, prenatal development, these organs are beginning to take effect to materialize. And to add function, and that function also, right, is not just functionality. It is, you could say, emotions as well. So they consider a certain type of emotions, and from the Taoist perspective, you would say the emotions that we inherit, those that come to us, you know, unbrided by our interactions into the world, our physicality, are called the virtuous emotions. So that's. In other words, they're going to be positive emotions that allow our body to function to its maximum potential, and also they, they function in a very positive way, a very open way that allows us to integrate ourselves. If, however, <clears throat> during our um, stay on this earth, if you like, to, uh, as we begin to uh, interact with the world, uh, certain emotions are triggered, which are not always of the positive nature. So, you know, we have a reaction. So they're what you call the acquired. I acquired them through a particular circumstances. And if they happen to come about as being more responsive, in other words, they would be the acquired emotions are said to be that which uh, are triggered to our survival nature. So we get a lot of what we call negative emotions because we're trying to survive. And so you know, they have to be kept uh, you know, in check so that we don't uh, overact on those because one of the factors that, that they know, one uh, uh, theory within Chinese medicine, Taoist philosophy is that on a very uh, subtle level, on a vibrational level, that negative emotions will transpire into the body, causing the body's function to become more limited. And so one way of saying that is the qi becomes more constricted. In other words, imbalanced, and if you like, that gives for uh, pathologies, for poor health. Ah. (laughs) Another long way to look at it.
2: I find this very interesting because in Western practices, we we talk about Western magic, we talk about banishing to get rid of those negative influences that come from the external world. So yeah, well, I, I see where you're coming
1: from. Yeah, so, so what we have, you know, so really what it is, so you could say on a, you know, from a very Taoist perspective, from their magical, you know, I'm, I'm from, or my studies is from one of the magical schools, the Shengsheng traditions from a couple of my teachers. Uh, which they call the magic school, magical schools. So oh, cool. one of those ideas, one of those ideas is that uh, all these think of emotions, you know, if they're constantly, you know uh, being uh, attained to. in other words, if you cultivate those, they actually turn they actually get a life force energy of themselves. And that would be what we look at, say, in the West as manifesting as a type of uh, type of uh, you know ghost or uh, demon, if you like, right? So or a, a negative entity. So in other words, oh. the more time invested into a, a negative emotion, you know, a negative circumstances, the more we're acquiring this outside, because they're acquired from the outside, that means we're allowing something, right, to really take us over various ways so thus you have those who would be in various practices you know whether it Christianity or whether those who would exorcise, those who would move those things away <laughs> mm. so you know a lot of people well you know they have their own spiritual beliefs that try and keep them you know on a positive uh, light so that is another aspect of, of the ele- of the five elements of the uh, organ system
2: well that that sure brings new perspective to having personal demons doesn't it
1: yeah, so you know, uh, so you just think, what what are those things? So, really, if we go back to what I was talking about, you know, the real cultivation, the real art is to maintain these organs, these elements, and these emotions as their highest potentiality, allow us to become more aware of ourselves. That's a, the that's a whole thing about uh, Chinese medicine, uh, Qigong, if you like, is what is the basic premise? The basic premise is. Can you make someone more self-aware? So am I aware of what I'm doing to myself? Am I aware of, you know, how my body is functioning? I am. I aware of what are the dysfunctions. You know, what needs to be corrected? What needs to be cultivated? It's a very important aspect, right?
2: So, uh, we'll we'll put this in perspective. I'm I'm a person who loves my caffeine. Loves to wreck my kidneys. What kind of imbalances am I creating by wrecking my kidneys? Well,
1: it, <laughs> you have to look at that. So, so that's a food, right? That's really a food, right? And so all right. foods would fall in, fall into if you like a certain type of element. So caffeine, you might say, is a more yang. It's a more, it's more fire, right? It wakes you up. It's very yang, gets you moving. So, what would be that effect? Well, one of that effects is one of two things, which is what are the two most yang organs is liver and the heart. So the liver is the wood, so you, you could say your caffeine is burning some of that wood, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And It is then going to your heart, right, which is really uh, your emotional state and uh, your conscious state, is being fueled by this yang thing, which is more moving, so you'll be more alert. Now, is that a bad thing? Well, it depends on, you know, is it excessive or is it counterbalanced by, by something else, right?
0: Oh,
2: it's pretty so excessive, words, isn't it, Zach?
0: Oh, yeah, it definitely is, the way you
1: drink that coffee. <laughs> yeah, so, you know. Uh, so, yeah. So, are they bad? And, and that's the thing. We're always in a state of flux, right? That's that the whole thing about China. There's always the yin and yang aspect. So, uh, you know, one of my uh, Buddhist teachers used to say, well, yeah, I like to indulge in this sometimes, even though I know it may not be the most beneficial health thing for me, he says, but I don't want to be too pure. I'd have nothing to work
2: on. So, <laughs> so, so you let, know, let's letting, say
1: letting yourself off the hook for some of these, right?
2: Let's, let's say this, let's say you got someone like me who's imbalancing himself with a lot of caffeine. Okay. And I'm sure practically you're going well, to, I, I, okay, I, I personally
1: drink a lot of caffeine. It doesn't really bother me. I don't
2: think. Well, I'm just, <laughs> as, as, as an example, you know, if, if I was looking to fix myself, you'd probably tell me, okay, you're going to have to take some physical steps. You're going to have to, you know, decrease your intake. Um, but once you got me to physically decrease my intake, what kind of energetic steps would would you recommend for a person like me to get his body back in balance?
1: Okay. So, so, so let's, just say, let's just make it very simple, right? A very simple state. So in other words, we said we said that caffeine is going to stimulate you into some kind of movement, right? That's what we do. We want to wake up in the morning or whatever, right? We take the caffeine. We're alert. We're moving. Very Yang. So what's the opposite? How, how would you reduce the Yang? You reduce the Yang by using its polarity, which is Yin. So therefore, by spending some times in a quiet state of mind, let's say meditation, right? Introspective, non-moving. So in other words, if I give equal times to that, at the end of the day, I've kind of balanced out the yin and yang factors. Correct? Yes, sir. Or I may take some foods. I could take some foods that are very yin in nature. Right? So that's the whole thing with Chinese diet, is to have a mixture so that the foods are always balancing. You know, one one easy you know, for listeners, if you really look at, how, you know, if we want to talk about diet each one of these elements not only uh, relate to an organ, an emotion, they also relate to, um, you know, to a particular type of food and a particular type of color. So the color gets off a vibration. So when we eat that particular uh, food that has that vibration, it's going to initiate that sort of energy within us. So if coffee tending to be that thing which is... Uh, it's dark, but it's very, very hot, right? And it can be a burning sensation. So, if we take something that's more yin, more water, right? Those things which would offset that. So, the whole thing in society is you should eat a variety of colors. If you don't know what to eat, just make sure you have lots of colors. Huh. That's a balance.
2: Nice.
1: So, and there's the simple so tip really, there. Yeah, it, yeah, so if you're leaning too much to one color food, you would say, right, or one type of activity, then you have to blend it with some others. And, uh, you know, even we would see that in, the same Qigong. So, for instance, uh, there's different types of Qigong. So there's that which is very active, we call it, you know, uh, um, that which is uh, moving, right, and mm-hmm. that which is static, still So, depending on the individual, so let's say a child who hasn't developed, fully developed, uh, we would say all their energetic potential, Uh, for them, you know, to keep growing, to keep moving, then obviously things that are a little more active, Qigong that's active, so maybe they'll take up some type of form, uh, you know, uh, an internal art that's more active, uh, a Kung Fu form or something like that. As people are older, more in the geriatric stage, right? They do not have, you know, that <clears throat> their yin, you could say, you know, their their substance, that which is holding their vitality is beginning to wane, they want to build up with a more yin type, quiet type. So yeah, they need more rest in order to recover. It's actually all quite simple. Uh,
0: Right, I mean, you're playing opposites here just because, well, that's essentially what you need. So the awareness point, then, really becomes a point of understanding yourself.
1: Yeah, well, that is the whole thing, right? The Mm -hmm. whole thing about Qigong, the whole thing about what I do, and the whole thing about Chinese uh, medicine as itself is the real difference, uh, I would say, between the Western concept of uh, medicine and the Eastern concept is a real practitioner of, I would say, the Oriental medicine, right, is trying to uh, advise someone, right, to give them knowledge of themselves, because it's all about, you know, that about the, the way of the Tao, is so You know, the way, the way to get there. So we're really about helping someone on their on their journey, and that's that journey through this life, because each lifetime. You know, want to be very philosophical, but if like saying we come here with a certain agenda, and we're trying to fulfill that agenda, that agenda, and you know, and then we we come across certain obstacles. So really, the whole thing, I would say, in Qigong or Chinese medicine, is how do we help or assist that person on their journey? Because we can't change their journey. That's not our point. You know, like we're not the gods that change everything. Much like, say, the Western concept, you know, that <laughs> we're really, I'm going to do so. So, if I do acupuncture, I'm going to move your chi so it sustains you that you can continue your journey. Or if I do qigong or, you know, or massage or, or any of these things. So, really, you know, is, is, um, the understanding is that's what we're here for. And in particular, that's why qigong is very popular in China, is all these people are understanding from the very you know, philosophical view is that they have to take part in their own journey. And therefore, you know, if I assist myself, you know, I'm able to, to fulfill it. Otherwise, I'm going to have a very short journey.
0: <laughs> right, Maybe so... It's all good. So, I mean, you did bring up an interesting point where you're talking about lifetimes. So, this kind of gets into, uh, I would say, karma and maybe some Buddhist influences. What's your view on the separation of, say, the Taoist view of lifetimes versus the Buddhist view of lifetimes?
1: Well, especially in you know in, in Taoist history, you have to look at uh, you know certain schools. There's a huge blend. So you say, you know, during the Han Dynasty, when Buddhism became more uh, acceptable into the Chinese um, culture, you had the blend, blend of uh, Taoism and Buddhism. So much of that philosophy is intertwined. So I don't really believe that there's a great separation. Uh, and what I mean by that, I think give you uh, some example, is that, uh, so mostly when we think of, uh, let's we'll say, uh, the Buddhist thing, we say, well, there's a lot of karma. Right? Mm-hmm. And the dollars, yeah, the dollars, and we're really saying, well, you know, uh, it's about your path. But <clears throat> to give you a quick scenario, each individual, so it's really about rituals. So your mother and father are engaged in a ritual that's sending out a vibration. We call that sexual intercourse. And that begins to stream itself, if you like, into the cosmos. And this individual soul, you know, like like a string on a spider web, wakes up and says, oh, so what would it be like if I was born with these parents? And it decides, okay, well, let me see what this life will be. So I'm going to bring in with it my agenda. And this, this is from a dallas perspective. But when I bring that agenda, when I bring, you know, my you know, what it is I want to follow through or or, uh, conduct in life, right? I bring with it, I would say, all my cosmic karma, so personal karma, along with, I could say, my hereditary karma, right? And then, as I'm born into this particular physical, this physicality, and I inherit, you know, some of the uh, genetics and hereditary factors from my Parents, I also have their karma. So I have family karma. I have what do you call the cosmic karma, right? All of these are interwoven. So there's not a great deal of difference. Um, the only difference is how to express. So, you know, maybe the Buddhists are going to say, don't, you know, don't take on any more karma. Be careful on how you live your life. Not different from the Taoist perspective, which has, you know, following uh, similar examples as to how you li- live your life, you know, in a very um, <clears throat> uh, open and uh, loving way, really. that that's really Taoism. is the same thing. So really what they're saying is uh, we all have a karmic effect. In Taoism, we say, well, that's our destiny. And how do I fulfill my destiny? Right? my fate. So in other words, if I if I don't clean up some of my karma, this is my fate. And if I want to change that fate, I don't want to end up as that, then I have to intercept my destiny. And going back to what I said earlier, how do you intercept destiny? I intercept destiny by living my life in accordance with the Tao, you know, understanding my union because I was with Tao is in union with everything. And by cultivating my positive virtues, comes back to our emotions. So really, you know, what we're going to say to other people is that you know, we're going to use our positive emotions, and that has a very powerful effect. So in that way, you know, we're you know, from either system, right? We're really talking about you know, how can we bring you know, how can we eradicate this uh, karma, and move on to something. A much more enlightened
2: state. So, Robert, we had an interesting comment in our little chat forum on the network. What would you say to people using your Eastern philosophy, um, how you brought up how the soul goes, I wonder what it would be like to be born to these parents. Um, People that had a rough childhood, people that had a rough experience with their parents, what would you say to them using your philosophy?
1: Well, I would say, right? In other words, maybe I have some unfinished business, right, from a past life. And so really what I'm going to do is I'm going to put myself in a situation in which those factors, right, those difficulties are going to arrive. And now it's going to be, am I going to follow through in the same way, or really am I going to learn from those, and they could be painful memories, I don't doubt that, but that's the way in which you recover, you know, I would say the virtuous aspects of your soul. So in other words, did they make you a stronger person? Did they give you greater self-awareness? And can I let go of those things? Because that means that there has to be a certain type of forgiveness, which can be extremely difficult because you're well, why would I be born into this? Why would I do that? You're doing that because you knew. Right on the outset, that I'm going to face the same challenges. This, this is the program that I want to run when I come here so that I can overcome that, because I'm still carrying that with me. And that's why often you'll see in a lifetime, many things keep coming up again and again, the same type of things. People may have a difficult childhood, and they have a difficult relationship. They might be with their siblings. They might be with the, you know, their partners. Might be in business. Might be in the world. So, in other words, these things keep coming up, and that is our opportunity. You know, how will we become more aware? How will we uh, transcend these difficult? In order to make ourselves again, as I said, can you become a different type of person? Can you overcome? These tragedies and traumas to become a stronger, more enlightened individual.
0: So then, you know, when we're talking about things such as overcoming and going back to the five element cultivation, say someone has bad relationships, what would they view, and how could they work on themselves from a five element cultivation standard? Then to improve those things,
1: you know, from this, you know, what so. So, for instance, what happens is uh, how each of us has a particular predominant element, you might say, right? And that would be based on our cosmology. So, in other words, that would be the Chinese calendar. You know, when was I born? Was I born with a wood element, you know, a fire element, and my animal characteristics? And then I'm going to be born with parents that also are going to have a certain element, right? Depending on when they were born. So... There may be in our life, you know, some very strong elements more predominant than the other. And what is going to my reaction to that? You know, uh, what if I'm born into, let's say, um, a wood element? A wood element is burning, right? It's about growth and moving. But let's say, right, in that growth and moving, um, also, you know, the negative response to that, you know, things aren't growing in the right way, is frustration and anger. So am I now in a situation where there's a lot of frustration, anger on my part, the parents, my siblings, whatever, and how do I extract the virtue from that? How how do I overcome that? I overcome that by cultivating right? that which allows me to have more compassion. That would be the Buddha. More compassion, more understanding. Understanding that they're angry because of their hurt. I'm angry because of my hurt. But really, you know, uh, what does all that mean, and, and what is it functioning on? It's all transitory. We're constantly in a state of moving one life to the other. So in other words, if I can come to an understanding of what all that anger is about, I can have come from those who are expressing anger because they were angry, Or, you know, it could be trauma or it could be pain, right? So that is the way we overcome. So the only path in Taoism and Buddhism, the only path back to the Tao, the only path, the only journey back to enlightenment, is the path of the heart, which is compassion and love. That's the only answer.
0: Right. So specifically then, let's segue into, I know we talked about a lot of five element cultivations, and we're talking philosophical, but in terms of your mm-hmm. background in qigong and even just chinese medicine um mm-hmm. are there particular practices you found that you've leaned toward more that kind of shed more light on things
1: well, for you just because of you know what i was first introduced to in terms of uh what i would call qigong uh, cultivation or or uh, you know it's really qigong it just means energy cultivation right so i'm cultivating the energy of these organs so i tend to not come let's say from uh a family tradition or a martial art tradition, although that w- that is how many of these forms of Qigong came about, you know, from different uh, martial applications, uh, from, you know, mimicking the way things were in nature, animal forms. Uh, so I tend to uh, go by what I learned, which was, uh, you know, from, uh, <clears throat> something called the Taoist five-yin organs, which is what I teach in the school, And what I'm teaching is the five elements. And that really is uh, taking each of the five organs related to these elements and doing a particular form or type of Qigong that cultivates that energy. So it's very specific. So I use five basic yin organ exercises to strengthen the yin, which is really the essence of who you are. And those are very generic, so they're not, uh, they're not coming from any particular lineage. Uh, these are things that just came from the Taoist traditions.
0: Right. And then how, how, if you're going to take it further into, say, a mystical path or mysticism, how does this set the foundation for
1: that? that? Okay. So when someone's practicing Qigong, right, mm-hmm. there's three kind of elements that are involved. One of the course, you have your physicality, you have your body, right? And you have your awareness, your mind, your consciousness, right? So we call that the, the shin, right, or the spirit. We have the body, which we call the essence or jing. And then we have this moving force, which is the qi. And qi often is uh, related to breath because we kind of breathe in. If we didn't breathe in the oxygen, right, we'd die, <laughs> So, so the breath, as we become aware of it and where it moves in the body, right, this is mm-hmm. what's called mind-body awareness. So therefore these exercises, part of that would be very instrumental in where you focus your breath and then how you're going to move that energy, that qi, from the breath, out towards the extremity. You know the, the old term for Qigong was Tao uh, Yin. And Dalyan really meant, you know, moving the energy from the in, internal, from the interior to the exterior, so through the limbs. So that's really what we're about, is we're doing an exercise that focuses on on the breath, breathing the chi into a particular area, and feeling it move throughout the body's channels, if you like, or meridians, or points to the extremity, both Absorbing from the, from the exterior, right from from the earth, and <clears throat> also cultivating them, or if you like, moving them within the body. So that became the premise for many of the uh, forms. Is that uh, focusing on how you would breathe and how you would move the body with very close attention, and much of that, <clears throat> much of that. Uh, success really calls upon the mind's intention. So the more your attention is focused, the greater the effect. And the focus of that intention then comes with your visualization, so internal visualizations, internal imagination. You know, can I see? Can I? Do I visualize within my mind what I'm doing? So that's a strong part of, uh, and actually that's, uh, that comes from some of the mystery school, of the Shangqing tradition, was that one could cultivate themselves through the arts of visualization and imagination into different forms, whether that be meditation, or whether that be qigong, um, or for that matter, uh, manual manipulations. Right. <laughs>
2: okay. Well, what was that last one?
1: Well, you know, it's it's really, um, you know, what makes it effective? You know, what makes the effective? How do these exercises benefit you? They benefit you because you become aware. So one of the first things I teach some of my patients, right, come to me for acupuncture, Qigong, or whatever it says, you know, can you focus on where you're breathing from? You know, where where is your breath? Because your breath is your qi. In other words, if my breath is very superficial, Right? I'm not really enhancing. I'm not stimulating the flow of... Qi. I'm not stimulating the flow of circulation. I'm not moving. So it's all about, you know, you have a physical body, but it has to move. So that's the yin and yang aspect. It has nice. to move, but it has to move without exhaustion. So to move without exhaustion means I'm moving in a way that cultivates more energy rather than expends more energy. Mm-hmm.
2: But uh, I guess what I was trying to figure out was I, th- I thought the last thing you said was mana manipulations. Maybe I misunderstood. No.
1: No, I would say. Uh, um, what you're uh, you, Manipulate. Well, you can call that that, right? It's just really energy, right? So, you know, how do I manipulate? Because this energetic field exists uh, all around us as well as within us. Okay. And, and, you know, the real art of uh, Qigong, if you like, right, the same as meditation, is really you becoming a channeler. Can I channel, you know, what is externally, internally? And therefore, in a way, I'm communicating. So, a lot of, of Taoist uh, practitioners were both on what they call, uh, based on what they call rites and rituals. In other words, I focused on a certain aspect. I called upon certain elements that existed in nature, right, to absorb them within myself. Because again, that's five ultimate cultivation can be internally or externally. Okay. Right. So, so really, yeah, you can say you're you're cultivating the energy which exists universally, as well as internally.
2: Um, and I find the the whole art fascinating because it is physical because you're up and you're moving, but you're also incorporating the mind very heavily. So, as you put it, there is the imagination aspect, but by combining the two, the physical movement and the imagination, you start to create sensations within the physical body that seem, for, for lack of a better term, they seem very, very real like something is really going on something is really moving through you well,
1: well that is that is the mystical experience right mm-hmm. when you do something and you experience it yourself even though you can't really describe you know no one can tell you what that is that actually is what that is the mystery school the mystery is when you as an individual experience the effect for yourself That's all magic, all magic, that's, that's
0: what magic is. <laughs> right, so in the mystical traditions, I mean, depending on which school of Taoism you look into, they do talk about working with spirits, so how, how does that feel in, in terms of working in terms of the body?
1: Okay, so basically, you know, the premise within these traditions in Taoist medicine is that <clears throat> We have three aspects of ourselves. three, what they call, three treasured qualities. We have Jing, which I, I mentioned before, really is our, our physicality, our physical body, and its function. Right? So that's Qi, if you like, in its senses form. And then we have an energetic quality, and that energetics, uh, that which we feel with the breath, or we feel with the pulse, or with the blood moving, um, is the middle aspect I say. so they call it that that's the level of chi so you have jing or essence chi or energy and then the third so in other words this energy within your body if it's not under control in other words if it's not directed by something then you have chaos so that is what they call the mind or spirit They're interchangeable in Chinese medicine. Mind and spirit is not exactly the same as the way we kind of look at it in in the West. Um, So we cannot have mind that doesn't encompass spirit, that universal aspect of our soul. And you can see that when spirit becomes diminished, when that aspect becomes less, the body acts control. So that is really, you know, uh, where a lot of problems come with... uh, With deviations, you could say, with uh, pathology, you know, with uh, with bad influences, whatever they might be, is that the the spirit, right, the uh, mind, is losing control, right, or is, if you like, actually being moved away. It's actually that would be what they call soul loss. So another aspect of, uh, of our mind and spirit is that it's an individual soul, and. If it's not cultivated, if it's harmed, drugs, traumas, you know, loss, these things, it can float away. It 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 doesn't completely detach, but it becomes, And then you have someone right there to say, "Well, yeah, I'm talking," but it doesn't look like they're all there. Well, no, they're not, because due to whatever particular pathology has uh, taken place, uh, is it that shin, that spirit? That consciousness or soul has been, to some extent, uh, removed or moved out. Right? He says, "You know, here, you know, uh, pack your bags and leave the house. <laughs> You're not welcome." That's what's going on. So a lot of uh, <clears throat> a lot of Taoist philosophy had with it's really about cultivating the Shen, the spirit, the soul within the body. Very important. It's a difference between some of the practices. Uh, will you see some difficulties? I, I get patients who have have uh, done some uh, you know advanced Kundalini programs uh, or exercises, and then uh, they're non-functional anymore because they were not rooted, they were not within the body. So <clears throat> Taoism, right, is very much about housing the spirit and if you like, communicating not only with my own spirit but allows me to communicate which is why people meditate. When you sit, what do you think you're doing? You're sitting there to become a channeler so I can bring in those energy, so I can communicate right, with that which is other than just here. So that's what I talk about but in terms of awareness. We're really increasing awareness on many different levels, you know, not just personal awareness, but awareness of nature, awareness of all the things that are around us.
0: Too much? No, not at all. I mean, Jason, you got any questions? Because, I mean, for me, I'm coming from more of a Dallas transmedicine background. So, I, I could keep extrapolating questions, really, from my perspective. But, you having no background in that, where's your take on things so far?
2: Well, I'd like you to tell the audience you know, obviously you're you're a Caucasian male. I mean, what was your journey? What got you involved in these Eastern practices?
1: Well, you know, it's kind of like I would say, maybe it's a karmic effect, because, you know, not only am I a practitioner, but uh, uh, of these things, but my wife is also um, uh, a very highly advanced mystic and channeler, so, and... uh, we kind of met on a blind date, so maybe that's predetermined de- destiny. And um, I uh, <clears throat> I was aware of the fact that uh, I just knew at a young age, so as a teenager, um, although I come from a very dysfunctional family, I might mention that, so I've had my own journey. Um, <clears throat> but as a young teenager, you know, I, I knew that uh, you know I'd, I'd see somebody that I knew with a headache, and I knew I could get rid of it. And then over the years, you know, as, as a senior, I started reading a lot of books on uh, mysticism, not necessarily uh, uh, Taoist mysticism, but, uh, you know, uh, kind of the occult arts and stuff like that, and I became very, sure. very, very interested. And then, of course, you know, as I <clears throat> I became married and uh, had to function, you know, I had to get away from that. But at a certain point, you know, when my <clears throat> my son was a uh, older and into uh, university, I started to, uh, you know, reintroduce myself to those things and to become interested. And um, I was reading some books, you know, of a particular author that I liked, and they said, well, you know, when you're ready, a teacher will appear. And um, somehow or another, I got a little of a Vitality magazine, and I met someone, uh, or I, I saw an ad for someone teaching meditation. You know, which is I said okay. Well, maybe I should learn formally, and then as it would have that, <clears throat> that particular aspect to it, that that particular person uh, taught uh, Buddhist meditation. But uh, and he was Oriental uh, by birth, although very uh, Western um, educated, but he had been uh, he had been instructed in many uh, internal arts. And so once I started one, then I, you know, I I, well, what else have you got? And then he was uh, uh, very influential in uh, allowing me the opportunity to uh, learn uh, a great deal of things from him, including uh, most of what uh, I could attribute myself to today. Uh, All those foundations were set during that time I spent with him. And then... uh, You know, as it would have it, uh, I mentioned that uh, I met my, my my wife on a blind date. She happened to be from, uh, from Guyana, British Guyana. When I found uh, this particular teacher, strangely enough, he was from British Guyana. And then I decided, well, I'll, I'll start to look into the uh, health field, and maybe I'll do acupuncture because it's in line with that. And I met uh, another person who introduced me to uh, acupuncture training, and they were also from uh, Guyana. So, I would have to say, in my particular uh, case, there might have been a lot of uh, external forces guiding me in the right direction. So, I can't take credit that I, you know, (laughs)
2: consciously, you know, all of a sudden
1: there's all synchronicity. uh, Yeah, there seemed to be all these things that were working um, to draw me towards that. So, maybe, you know, that's just part of my karma. I don't know. They were all good, anyways. That's all I know.
0: Right. I mean, it's quite an interesting journey. So, I mean, you've done some martial arts. How was your experience with that?
1: Well, the martial arts I did primarily, you know, I, I just started early in life, But primarily I focused on internal arts. So they had a two-fold thing. So one thing I would say, like, with the martial arts, like when I talk about Qigong and alchemic Qigong and stuff like you have to, there's just one uh, facet and they're able to that enable someone to become more aware of stuff. So you do martial arts and you try to cultivate it to a certain degree. Or maybe you're a musician and you want to cultivate that to a certain degree. Or so I would say all these arts that uh, create intuitive awareness or use the imagination, right? Or become very creative would be the best word. Because that's the nature of who we are. The soul is creative wants to create, wants to expand. And therefore, all these different things that are around us that people get into, art, music, uh, painting, um, I would say martial arts, meditation, all these things are stimulating the creative aspects of ourselves. And that's an unlimited thing. So people will obviously... Um, attuned to different states different uh pinnacles depending on what they're drawn to but that that is within all of us all of us have the potential uh to do amazing things and that's what, if i could say one last thing to people i would say one of the problems is you know we compare ourselves to others but everyone is special which is special in different ways don't worry about somebody else. Just look into yourself. Cultivate that which is special within you, that resonates with you, and that's cultivation. That's chico.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, this goes into, what, what is it? Like, you can have a gong or a work ethic in anything, and that becomes the cultivation yeah. of your mind. So, you
1: know, some some people, you know, apply themselves in such a way that, it, you know, it's, it's Others can't conceive of how they arrived at that. So that's another method of which they their creativity, in whatever line, whatever it is, right, uh, has taken them really as part of their soul's journey. Well, very simple, right? Just uh, follow your heart, and, and that's all you need to do.
0: Well, there you go, everyone. There's your takeaway for the evening on the show. And I think that's a good place actually to end off. So, I mean, Jason.
2: <laughs> Whoa. Well, I mean, look at the time, man. You can't just end the show five minutes early. What the, what are you doing?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know how far our announcements are going to go tonight, dude. <laughs> well, I can have actually, that on
2: people. <laughs> let's, let's go ahead and talk about that. Like, uh,. Let's let's talk about any public appearances the two of you have coming up, because I really don't have anything coming up anytime soon, myself. So,
1: Robert, well, what... You know, you... I, yeah, I, I have a website, you know, which is called uh, org, or uh, people find it for, under the International Institute of Medical Chikung Canada. I have uh, some courses in uh, alchemic chikung coming up next weekend um in October I'm going to do a course on uh, Dallas mysticism I' teach people how to uh, communicate externally with all the you know different aspects around them so with nature with rocks with with crystals things like that and then um, <clears throat> in um, in October I start my introductory course to medical Chicumm for those who want to be a practitioner of uh, medical Chi who want to be a Chicumm therapist so,
0: my schedule
2: is, um, yeah, fairly uh,
1: full for the next few weeks. Right. Go on. And all those dates and things are, are available on my website.
2: Awesome. So, you know, we, we have a few extra minutes. I just wanted to say yeah, it's interesting the combination of you saying that your wife was a spirit medium and, um, what, what's your take on the spirit world? Do you believe that we're dealing with external spirits, or are we dealing with manifestations of energy?
1: Well, there could be both. So sometimes, right? Good answer. <laughs> uh, some people come to me and say, well, you know, uh, I feel like I'm being, uh, you know, uh, dictated to by, you know, something external. So I would say in some cases, like we talk about the elements and the emotions, I'd say people are sometimes possessed by themselves. But in my particular case, right, which you know, from my own view, is uh, often, you know, even even in a lecture or courses, you know, much of the information I receive is channeled, and it just happens that I'm lucky enough to have someone who is a channeler. so I may sit down and decide to, to do a course, and uh, thinking about the content, and my wife will come down and say, well, I've I've received this met, this information, and quite often gives me the whole layout for my course. Uh, So, from my point of view, we're constantly communicating on the many different levels, and spirit exists on many different forms, both, you know, uh, that which is beneficial and that which isn't. So, uh, it is important that a person cultivates himself in the right manner and uh, become aware, you know, of what it, what the possibilities are. And uh, most of Taoist uh, traditions were based on uh, almost all the uh, Taoist texts were written by those who received the information through channeling, through, from spirits, if you like.
2: Nice. Well, I like that answer, because that's something we could debate for an entire hour right there. (laughs) The nuances of the
0: spirit world. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, that's debatable for hours easily. (laughs) Well,
2: with that, I am going to let the Illuminous take us on out because we're coming up on our final minute, folks. Thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, Go ahead and stick on the line. I'd like to touch base with you guys after we... uh, head on out everybody have a great week i will see you next week with shaman jim